Welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. Uh, this is a special one. We've got some amazing things that happened this week. And uh, before we start, of course, as always, let's just welcome our guests. And the first one is Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? Good, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, looking forward to my Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Okay, looks like you've got a Christmas jumper on there. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, and uh, we've got uh, Bernard Dineen. How are you well, doing, Bernard? I'm a bit confused as to what uh, a Christmas jumper constitutes a Christmas jumper in South Korea, if you think uh, Carl's got <laughs> a Christmas jumper on, mate, to be honest with you. But uh, great, to, great to see you back in the hot seat anyway, Mike. Uh, great to see you back, mate. Carl did a wonderful job last week, of course. He did a great job, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, you've got to have the master back in the seat here. Now, oh, we've... Okay. Nice introduction, Mike. <laughs> master back. And, uh, well, here we go. We've got, uh, as you can hear with the witticisms, um, you've also got Ray. How are you doing, Ray? Hey, I'm, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. I'm champion. And, and I don't care what you three guys say. I love Riyad Mahrez. He's fantastic. I don't care how much you guys <laughs> throw hates on him. Um, I, I, I won't allow it. <laughs> we'll get into that we'll get into that but guys i think before we uh talk about all things leads we've had the announcement by sergio aguero very tearful very emotional uh and uh, uh pep traveled out there for that i think it was in barcelona and um there's just been um, absolute floods and floods and floods of messages from everywhere, all over the world, um, talking about this fact. Now, guys, there's something that, that kind of bothers me a little bit about this, and that is they, they're talking a little bit about this, like a premature end to his career. But, Colin, I think that at 33, uh, I think... He doesn't have anything more to prove to anybody. I think that he he's totally fulfilled, and I, you know, he might have had a couple of maybe fruitful years at Barcelona if he'd he had continued. But I think thirty three is a pretty good age for a striker to move on to other things, don't you think? Yeah, he's quite respectable. I mean, you look at the Peter Crouches of this world, um, you know, who went to how old was he? Was he still playing at forty Crouch and uh, but. You know, Aguero is a very different player, isn't he? You know, he's, he's Crouch was a, um, you know, just had to be in the right place in the right time of the penalty area to head the crossing. But I can't believe, uh, Colin, you're comparing Aguero to Peter Crouch. No, no, no. But <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, but Aguero, his game was about explosive pace and movement, and uh, you know, the obviously the ability to score a goal with any part of his body from it, almost anywhere on the field. We saw everything, didn't we, from him? Um, I, I just say yes. I mean, it's a great career. I, I, I read somewhere that uh, he was quite upset at first, but now he's quite serene about the fact he's he's retired. Um, uh, you know, he looks such an easygoing guy. Um, you know, I've told the story before. I was in a, it's a meeting at the uh, CFA, one of the ground floor meeting rooms, one evening, and uh, his face appeared outside at the window, grinning at us. 
Um, and it was Sergio, who was just about to film a TV interview. Um, you know, he just looks like a fun, uncomplicated sort of guy. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm sure we'll talk more about him, but uh, it's just been a privilege, hasn't it, to, 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 to watch City through the Sergio Aguero era and all the things he's done for us. And, and Bernard, such a ruthless, deadly striker. There's There's been no one like him. No, absolutely. I mean, if you think of the injury uh, injuries he had over the over the years, even when he was at his peak, he had plenty of injuries. But uh, imagine that. Imagine the sort of stats he would have come up with if he if he'd sort of played eighty, ninety percent of what he should have done, as opposed to sixty or seventy percent. A fantastic guy. It's a shame we couldn't finish off with a a nice Champions League for him. That would have been the icing on the cake, wouldn't it, guys? But. Uh, yeah, it's a shame because he also wanted to go back to Independiente at some stage, didn't he? So perhaps he may go back there as something to do with the kids and stuff like that. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll do something for Independiente down down the uh, forthcoming years. But uh, yeah, let's not feel too sorry for him. He's, he'll be, a, you know, he's he's, uh, he's got to go away and enjoy himself now for whatever he does. And, and fantastic, uh, good luck to him. That's all. That's all we can say as City fans because he, he'll always be our, our legend to us, of course. Ray, just looking uh, at uh, the the illustrious lineup of Man City strikers down the years, was there anyone to compare with this guy? I think it's hard to compare with, with Sergio Aguero. I mean, his his numbers uh, first of all stand up uh, against everybody because obviously he's our top scorer ever, um, and, and the, the the variety of goals, the the weight of goals he scored, the important crucial goals in in in, in matches um, you know obviously these 93 20 but some of the goals you scored against united crucial goals stunning goals uh, you know, you, it's hard to forget the one against liverpool when we were uh, neck and neck for the title challenging with them and the one where he just blasted it past uh, alisson uh, and alisson was a bit, i think just trying to get out of the way he was hit with that much power and venom so he's done, you know what, an amazing, and it's been an amazing career, especially at City. And I, I still can recall that that uh, debut of his, two goals, an assist in, in about thirty minutes against Swansea. We beat him four nil. Um, it was just an amazing uh, career at City. It's a shame, obviously, for him that uh, he can't finish off his uh, the main part of his career at Barcelona, and then. Go back to Argentina to, uh, you know, for a year or two. It's it's a real shame, but um, you know, let's um, let's remember the journey, and you know, remember the fact that he was with us for ten years and he's done all those things. And it's a shame the way it's ended up, but just remember how he got there. Well, Colin, Colin let me just uh, ask you to pick out um, um, a moment. So I'm going to forbid you for talking about ninety three twenty, and uh, pick out a Sergio Aguero moment that really um, sticks in your memory. Now, uh, Ray mentioned that really brutal, thuggish goal that he scored against Liverpool. That just, you know, raised everyone's blood temperature uh, by the ferocity and the aggression of that goal against uh, Liverpool. But uh, was there another one that you can remember and that stands in your memory? There's a few. Um, I mean, go go through them quickly. I mean, his second goal against Swansea in that first game. I mean, we knew, I think we knew we were getting a, a, a player who was a talent, but of course you never know in the Premier League how players adapt. Of course, he came on after just after 60-minute mark and uh, he, he scored a fairly straightforward goal. Then towards the end of the game, you know, just rifled that one in for 30 yards and it was clear then that we had an absolute talent. So so that was one that will always stick in my memory. Um, a, a, another one is um, obviously the, the Napoli, the goal against Napoli, which gave him the record. Um, yeah, that, that was a great moment, wasn't it? You've actually seen a record goal scorer almost in the flesh score that record goal. And uh, say, we, the, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps the one is that the goals he scored against Newcastle in that Amazing spell, was it? Twenty minutes, five five goals in four, five goals in twenty minutes, uh, and then Greeny hauled him off, didn't he? Uh, and and at hard time, I tweeted, I thought he was finished, and then 
he went on to score another four goals. So that, that one will stick in my memory, <laughs> but not necessarily for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Not 100% for the right reasons, anyway. Uh, Bernard, this guy, he just never courted controversy. He was never in the press. He didn't big himself up. He like he was an absolute model professional, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, there are some uh, some uh, videos circulating on social media uh, showing him leaving his footing occasionally and stuff like this. I mean, you're not going to play professional football for the length of time he's played it and not get frustrated at times and do things that a lot of footballers would do more of. But that doesn't detract from the, the quality that the, the player, the role model he was as a player. And I think my, my standout thing obviously wasn't the goal. I think we all remember it was when he, I think it was at Bournemouth where he was sticking up for the fan who was accosted by the police and stewards I think that was my abiding memory that I saw a picture of it again today on social media somewhere so yeah I mean you know it's it just sort of sticking up for us and that's that's what we want I mean that's we want, we want our players to score goals but it's nice to know they'll still stick up for a fan in trouble so that was one of my highlights. Ray do you remember that goal from a long time back I think it was a back healer from Carlos Tevez and he just blasted it. That was that was just spectacular, wasn't it? Didn't we beat Norwich seven nil that day? I think it was either five or seven. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, look, he, he's got as I said, he's got goals from all sorts of angles, from thirty yards, um, volleys from the edge of the box. There was a volley against United from a corner, I think. Where he just uh, left-footed it um, and just pa- passed it past uh, David de Gea. Uh, David de Gea must have hated seeing Aguero bearing down on him because he scored so many goals past him. There's a, that game where he, he he went past about five United players going sideways and into the box, and then when you thought he was going to shoot, he took another touch and then slammed it into the near post past David de Gea. There's just so so many, Mike. You know, he's got some good ones with his head, important ones. He's he's just an unbelievable striker. And look, for some people, he's their favourite City player or the best City player they've ever seen. You know, he's, I think for most living City fans, he'll be up in their top three of the mm-hmm. players they've ever seen at play for Man City, I think. Well, that's the question. The next question I'm just going to ask very quickly to uh, to Colin. Colin, um, who was better? Sergio or Alan Shearer? Ah, different Sergio, Sergio. I mean, because Shearer was magnificent. Um, great player, yeah, yeah. Thierry Henry was a great player. I mean, all very different though. Um, you know, Shearer was a good old-fashioned British centre forward, wasn't he? Um, Aguero was was so much more than than Shearer, but that doesn't denigrate Alan Shearer's achievements, really, does it? Because, uh, I mean, Shearer really, um, you know, he never played, well, well uh, uh, Blackburn, he never really played for one of the absolute top clubs, did he? You know, he didn't play for a United or a Liverpool or even, a, you know, uh, a club like that, at Arsenal. Um, so, yeah, uh, is he a better player? Uh, you know, who... who I'd want Alan Shearer to be on the end of a corner or a free kick coming in. But, you know, you, on the ball, Sergio Aguero was the better player, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernard, uh, what do you think about this particular argument? Um, is it really a question of Shearer, Aguero and Thierry Henry? Or... That's for Bernard. Sorry, I just lost the last bit of that. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I was just asking, like, when we talk about the top strikers ever in the yes. Premier League, Sergio Aguero, Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry, is there anyone else that gets a look in, or is that is that pretty much it? Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, pre- Premier League-wise, obviously, uh, I would have loved Shearer to play for City, but obviously he loved his Newcastle, didn't he? We know about that. The best thing he ever did was not leave for United, wasn't it? But 
I think we can only go on what we see week in, week out. Uh, it's very difficult to judge other things. You see highlights, you see stuff, you don't see these guys. But uh, you'd be very hard-pressed to, to get anyone, perhaps. Uh, so Those three were, were 100%. You may, you've probably got a few 70 80% over time. But, uh, yeah, for, for sheer quality in front of goal, um, yeah, com- combine all three. I say combine sheer as uh, aerial abilities uh, with, with Sergio Aguero and, and Thierry Henry's touch perhaps you'd, you'd have some sort of player wouldn't you if you put them three together to be honest with you you'd have, you'd have a monster wouldn't you but uh, yeah it would be hard to go go see past those three well let's uh, let's move on guys and go back to Colin and let's talk about this game against Leeds United and it's uh, it's it was so interesting wasn't it because you've got um, Bielsa and he takes up this position on the touchline where he sits on top of a bucket an upturned bucket you know <laughs> and um and uh scours everything from there and uh they they only narrowly lost to chelsea so what three two so we come into this game and uh, we've got kevin de bruyne back um colin and this was sensational wasn't it i mean I don't know what you thought, whether you thought about the quality of the opposition and how they played, or or were we just magnificent? What, what, what were your views? Well, I, I think it was a bit of a combination, wasn't it? Um, because, uh, you know, again, we saw them at Chelsea. They scored two goals against Chelsea. They're the only team to, to score two against Chelsea this season. Um, but, but what we know is um, that they're a bit weak defensively. Which, which suits us fine. Uh, uh, we also know, uh, we know what the dits was last season uh, with 10 men, you know, they beat us. Um, so I was a bit nervous. Um, but I, I, on the other hand, um, you know, Pep doesn't make this, well, he doesn't Champions League, but doesn't tend to make the same mistakes twice, really. Um, so, yeah, and, and they, they, you know, they got a couple of Patrick Bramford and... Um, Calvin Phillips were out, which helps us a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a combination of two things. As I said, I mean, I, I don't know what Leeds were trying to do. I really don't know what the plan was because, uh, you know, I, I've seen most formations in my 50 years of watching football, but I think it's the first time I've seen a 505 because that's what it looks like. <laughs> oh, are you 5 Huh? I mean, there was. They have the back four, traditional back four, uh, guy in front of them, and then like the other two midfield players were pressed up against the front three, and um, or, or one against the, the front four. And Rodri must have thought either he got bo or it was his birthday um, because he had Rodri had so much space <laughs> in that midfield area that. It, I just wondered what what must have been going through his mind. He must have thought, I don't know. Uh, it, you know, the number of times we saw Rodri, you know, gallop forward twenty or thirty yards, completely unchallenged. And um, it, well, even, even when they put a challenge in, it wasn't particularly good. Uh, and and they were just all over the place. And um, you know, when, when City, yeah, we saw it against Wolves a bit, didn't we? Where you know we don't get a goal, it gets a bit nervous. But on, on the other hand, when we get a couple of goals. When we realise a, um, a team is there for the taking, we smell blood, and, and you know, and we rip into them. So um, at least we'll look at it. Look, it was only seven because it could have been a damn sight more. Uh, let's ju- let's just go to Ray to ask you about this question. Now, I remember about three years ago, and Sid Lowe, the the, the Spanish uh, journalist, was raving about Rodri, and he was saying. Uh, all kinds of wonderful things that were going to happen to Man City if we signed him. And um, it didn't really, like, certainly the first season, we were kind of like a little bit underwhelmed by that. But um, he's uh, coming into his prime, I think. Uh, Ray, what do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. I remember when we got him, the manager of the Spanish national team, is it Luis Enrique? Yeah. Um, I think he said at the time, I think he said about Rodri, he said, he's going to be better than Busquets. I think he said, and I th- he said, 
who knows what his level is going to be. So there was no ceiling to this guy's level. And you're right, that first season, you know, we'd been used to Fernandinho. I said it, for the, especially the first season and a bit of the second, Rodri had to come to terms with the Premier League. He had to learn, and he had to learn quickly, some of the dark arts. You know, he was, he looked a bit sluggish and slow. And sometimes he got himself on the wrong side of uh, an attacker or a midfielder and he gave away a cheap yellow card, which then puts him under pressure. Something that Fernandinho, Fernandinho's a master who's get, who'd, get, who'd get away with three or four fouls before he'd pick up a, a booking. And Rodri had to learn that. He had to learn to be on the right side of the defender, how to give you know, a, a cheap free kick away without picking up a yellow card and how to be able to do that two or three times in, 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 a, in a match. Um, but what we've seen, he's, he's not just, you know, um, a defensive midfielder. You know, he's a little bit more than that. You know, he he, he can carry the ball now. We, we see that. He can spread the passes. We see that. And he's just an awesome player uh, to have um, in our midfield. And, you know, look, it was easy to do at the time, three years ago, just to think, oh, maybe this guy isn't going to make it. You know, you heard uh, yours truly shouting for um, Ishmael Benassa. You know, I thought he might be the man. Other people were shouting for Declan Rice. And actually, Rodri's pretty quietly gone about subduing all those noises. And and now everybody, everybody I think, is expecting Fernandinho to leave at the end of the season. And rather than look for a, someone uh, as a new uh, main uh, defensive midfielder, we're looking for somebody who's going to support, you know, be back up for, for Rodri. Rodri's become that crucial and influential to the side. Uh, it's, it's amazing what, you know, probably in the last 12 months, what he's managed to achieve. Yeah, Bernard, we ha- we've had some very um, important people in that role. We've had Nigel De Jong, who was a, the ultimate, you know, warrior. Um, we've had Fernandinho, and uh, yeah, Ray touched on that, his ability to get away with... Uh, with um, tactical fouls is got to be just something to do with that thousand watt smile that he gives referees, and and they they just uh, they're just so charmed by him. Rodri's coming on a little bit, isn't he? Yeah, I mean the the fans have summed it up, uh, guys. We've got a song for him now. Uh, he's magic, you know. Well, you never get past Rodrigo. So we were singing it last night. So there you go. He's got his own song. If a player gets a song at City, they're made men, aren't they? Let's be honest about it. That's that's the the pinnacle, the pinnacle for any City player to get his own song, and that was being banged out last night as as uh, it caught on, obviously in the South Stand and other places. But uh, yeah, I, I was never. I was. I was always. Jury out on Rodri until this season, and uh, he's just surpassing what I thought we would get from him. He's not perfect, of course. He's not. He's still got to learn some of the dark arts. He's still a little bit. He's a big lad. He's still, to me, a little bit clumsy. Gets on the wrong side of players sometimes when he, he should be on it on the goal side. And he gets stuck the other side and gives silly fouls away. But uh, he, he's he's come on leaps and bounds, and we're very lucky to have him uh, going forward. I think. Uh, let's uh, just uh, move over to, to Colin. I think, I think we might just have one of our players back again. Uh, and um, I was just um, going on YouTube and um, seeing an interview with him, and finally learning how to pronounce this guy's name, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, not De Bruyne as everyone says, De Bruyne. But um, he looked back to his best, didn't he? He did, yes. Uh, I, I think one of the disappointing things about Kev this season has been um, he's not scoring goals. He, you know, even when he's been playing, his, his goal touch looks to be off. But I think we can safely say that return last night. I mean, that was a typical Kevin De Bruyne goal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. What what aspect of his performance uh, pleased you, um, Colin? Sorry? What aspect of his performance pleased you the most? Well, uh, scoring. Um, yeah, we, we've seen him struggle. As I say, we've seen him struggle a bit in front of goal. We, you know, we expect, perhaps, we expect too much from from him, but we we expect him to, you know, put in the sort of shots that he uh, scored his second with last night, and uh, he just looked so much sharper, didn't he? And uh, uh, it, another of the criticisms of him was that um, 
his passing radar mm-hmm. was uh, w- w- well out of sorts. And, and, and again, uh, I don't think it's quite 100%, but it was so much better last night. Mm-hmm. What well, one thing that gives me great pleasure is um, the way the guys uh, celebrate with each other, uh, and uh, we got a little sense of that. I think uh, Ray with um, Grealish's goal because he hasn't scored that many, and a lot of people have been saying got one, one league know, goal, aren't he? Yeah, yeah. Time, you know, is he a little bit overpriced? What did you think? Yeah, look, it was it was a fabulous cross from Riyad Mahrez. Um, you know, laid it on a plate. Uh, I think it was Rodri in there as well. The Did you say fabulous pass from Riyad Mahrez? Obviously. <laughs> Can you repeat for the listeners? What's that? My, my 1,000 um, Algerian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> they all know me. They all know me. Um, yeah, the uh, fans from Algeria. So, yeah, it was a great cross. Laid on a plate. I and mean, we had two guys there. And, and Grealish just hits it. Which, he didn't need to hit it with a lot of power because the, the pace was on the ball. But he can, the connection was good. The timing was spot on. Uh, Melier, he, he, he couldn't really do He got his hand to it because it was quite near him, but it did just far too much power. And it went in and, uh, you know, Grealish. I mean, look, it's about time he scored some goals. And uh, boy, did he celebrate. And, and, the, and the fans and the players alike celebrated with him. So uh, it, it was good for him to, you know, to get that goal and, and give him some confidence because actually... I've got to say, he, he looked pretty decent. Oh, OK, yes, yeah. as Colin has said earlier on, Leeds weren't um, uh, that, that good. There were no great shakes Leeds last night. But I like the way he seemed to have an extra bit of pace uh, yesterday. I don't know if he's been at the yeah. Phil Forden school of uh, you know increasing your pace uh, um, as you go along, you know, um, and sprint training. But I like the way he cut in from the left, um, I can't remember who his defender was. His defender was Bobbins, really. He couldn't handle him. And he was cutting in again and again and again and just waltzing past him um, and, and opening up opportunities for him to have a shot or to lay the ball off. So, you know, it's good. It, look, it, one swallow doesn't make a summer, as they say. He's, he's got to do it again and again and again. Uh, but last night, I liked what I saw. Um, and it, it's good... You know, the thing is, I said before, he has to keep stepping up. Everybody has to step up because, you know, you're out the side for a couple of games. Someone comes in and you might not get your position back. Ask John Stones. Ask Laporte what happened to Laporte last season. You know, he was out for a couple of games. Stones came in. It was his spot for the rest of the season. So it's, you know, it's um, opposites happened this season. And uh, Stones was in, injured, I think, at the start of the season. Laporte's come in, made that position his own, and Stones is struggling. Uh, give him a mention, he pl- played pretty well at right, right back yesterday. So whoever, you know, whether it's Grealish, Foden or Mares Sterling, I mean, we had Sterling on the bench, but we, we're in that wonderful position where we've got so many good players. And when we get it together, you know, no one comes close. Uh, Bernard, uh, Ray, Ray touched on um, uh, John Stones there. And I, I was particularly pleased by that goal um, because you, you, you would, you would normally think that uh, he does little touch-ins or uh, headers from corners, but he was um, quite persistent with that one, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm, I think you've deliberately come to me on this one, haven't you, mate? You must, you must have heard a couple, a couple of my things early on on uh, Twitter, etc. Because I, uh, I said he took two bites of the Trevor Cherry with that one. Uh, obviously, easily. Uh, so I'm glad you come talk to me on that. I'm glad one, you he... didn't say he took two bites of Trevor's Cherry. I mean, that would have been. <laughs> well, it's typical of you, Ray, to lower the standard, isn't it? You know, I was trying to be nice about it, but there you go. I think Laporte had headed it down, hadn't he? And the goal he made. A, an okay save of the defender and obviously Stone smacked it of course first with his right foot didn't he and the goalie again saved it and then it just come back to his left and he smacked it into the roof of the net with his left I was dead pleased for John Stones because there was one stage in that second half and obviously, because we're, we're in the south stand and he was defending, obviously, that, that stand the second half. And he was looking over, he couldn't he couldn't quite locate the Leeds players behind. He looked a little bit confused at right back. He, he was struggling just a little bit and he was panicking. You could see him look, you know, he's usually a calm guy, as we know. And you could see him look over, he's still, well, you know, where's this? But there's nothing to worry about because the Leeds, Leeds uh, players were nowhere near. But uh, 
yeah, I'm glad. I'm so happy for him. Uh, I'm so happy for John Stones. He's been in a bit in and out again this season, hasn't he? But uh, fantastic. Well, well taken. Thoroughly deserved. The Barnsley Beckenbauer he is. He's really earning that uh, that name. Colin, what goals have we not mentioned so far? I mean, there's so damn many of them. Um, uh, what other ones <laughs> can you recall? Oh, I've got them all. So obviously... Uh... <laughs> Uh, well, I, the, the the one I kind of uh, the one incident I recall was the goal that wasn't, which was the should have been the first goal, which was Bernardo's amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, um, it, it it looked like um, you know the number of ta- Leeds were so careless with the ball, weren't they? Uh, and, which is one of their failings, which we know, and um, you know gave the ball away. And, um, uh, I think Phil Foden set up Kevin De Bruyne, who looked like he was going to have a shot, but he squared it to Bernardo. He had the goal in front of him, uh, and the Leeds goalie uh, Melier was was completely wrong-footed, and he somehow put it about a foot wide of the post, which even he couldn't believe that. And certainly, I don't think any of us watching in the stands could either. So, so obviously, there's the you know the Foden goal, which um, uh, w- was quite an interesting one, uh, and. Uh, there's a bit of a theme because um, the, the goalkeeper Melly, you know, he's got some good. He's looked really good when I've seen him, but I, I thought he was at fault for at least a couple of those goals last night, uh, in particular that, that one of Foden's, because um, you know, again, Roger was given so much space in midfield. He bounced through a couple of very half-hearted tackles, but the ball could have ran in front of him, and Melly looked fa- favourite to get that ball. But but somehow Rodri got there. It bounced off Melly and of course came to Foden. Uh, and Stuart Dallas, of course, who scored the winning goal against us last season. Um, you know, it, it was a bit like that Peter Crouch moment of karma when he scored the goal that took Tottenham into the uh, Champions League and then scored the own goal the following season, which put us in the Champions League. Um, and uh, Dallas made a complete. I think it was Dallas made a complete. Yeah. Yeah, um, hash, yeah, clear it, and it just yeah. sliced in off his, um, off his, uh, off his foot or his shin. I can't remember which one it was. Obviously, we, 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 we um, there was a second one, um, a killer ball from Mares, as we said, and Grealish absolutely knocked Rodri out the way to get to that ball. I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, he left Rodri flat. I thought it was Laporte he knocked out of the way. Uh, Laporte, I- sorry. Yeah, which Laporte, which I'm doing actually? I can't remember. I, well, it, whoever it was, Laporte or Rodri, Grealish basically knocked them down in the rush to get <laughs> the ball. Uh, I was surprised VAR didn't come into it actually and disallow the goal because <laughs> he was with it. The, um, obviously, you know, again, that Kevin De Bruyne's first goal, um, it looked like he'd gone, put the ball had gone a bit too far from Rodri's pass. And again, I thought Melier was fake in real time. I thought Melier was favourite to get to that ball, but he sort of hesitated and, and gave Kevin basically all the <clears throat> opportunity he wanted to shoot. Um, obviously, uh, the, the Mares one was a funny one. Uh, it got a bit of a deflection, but uh, um, the, um, the, the the fifth goal, um, which was Kes pile drive, which we talked about again, Melier. Um, took a goal kick to no one in particular. Uh, and I think Stones won the ball from that one. So that's yeah, another one where you can question that the goalkeeper's... But, you know, uh, about 5-0, Colin, I mean, what amazed me was I think Grealish's foot was quite high and he got away with it. The players didn't yeah. whinge about it. The ref, but he, he looked as though he had his foot quite I, high. I, I'm surprised he got away with that. Close. I don't think it was close. But, uh, and of course, we saw John Stones. Uh, well, Laporte and Stones combined to... Score a goal from a corner. Who says we never score from corners? But uh, um, well, no, it was a free kick, wasn't it? I think. Um, yeah, it was a free kick. Sorry. And and the great thing was Laporte had a header. Stones had a shot with his right foot, which got which, both of which got blocked. And Stones followed up with his left foot. You know. And, and uh, I'm going to give you a little general knowledge quiz in a second because John Stones apparently was the um, hadn't scored this season. So there are three City players in the in the 25-man first-team squad who are still with us. are not out on loan. So I think that that, that excludes um, Patrick Roberts uh, for one. I think there's someone else out on loan. So um, 
uh, Morich is out, but we don't expect the goalkeepers to score anyway, do we? So, um, question is, which three players have not scored a goal for us this season? Zinchenko. Zinchenko is one. Walker? No, Walker scored. Ederson. Mm, well, no, we're not including the goalkeepers. Ooh. One on the field last night. Another one on the field. Two of them were on the field last night. Give you a clue. Hmm. Gundogan. Has he scored? No. There is one player, but um, who's part yeah, of the squad? Yeah, but... yeah. He wasn't on the field last night. There's one that might not be back with us anytime soon. Has he? Yes. He's incarcerated at the moment. Yes, yes. He's without yeah. liberty. Benjamin Mendy. Yes. Yes, obviously. Uh, so who's, who's, has Diaz has scored, hasn't he? Yeah, Diaz has scored. Yeah. Laporte scored, hasn't he? Yes. Fernandinho yep. scored. He scored the other week. No, Fernandinho hasn't scored, I don't think. No, he's, he's, he's scored. scored. Yes, yeah. 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 Sorry, he, he scored that slide rule goal. Yeah. Fernandini has scored, so yeah, there were just the two players, well, just the one player, really, just Zinchenko of the yeah. uh, available players. Get, it, get him sacked, get somebody else in. Uh, <laughs> but Ray, um, what was the difference? Get Aki's goal, guys. That was from a corner. That's something that I really enjoyed, guys, because um, you, um, what is the name of, uh, isn't it the city content guys that do the. Um, the 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 funny um audio over the games yeah, yeah. Um, commentary yeah and they they called him the dutch maldini uh, uh he is so beautiful looking he looks like look, looks like root hill look, looks exactly like are you, in, are you in love mike is it something we need to know no, I'm just saying. I, I just, you know, I, I would love to look like him. I mean, he just, he's just, <laughs> he, he looks like a young Rude Hullet, and that was, um, that was just a sensational uh, goal. I thought, uh, which, which nobody really talks about because they don't, they think that Ake is a bit part player. They think he's going to get sold, but I think that he's a very important player for us, uh, Bernard. I think that he's a, he's. Obviously not a starter, but he's a very, very useful guy to have come on, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've said, I've said it many times as a fourth choice centre half. I mean, I don't think there's any any better in the Premier League, to be honest with you. And that's what he unfortunately is. Is he's a great, is uh, a great asset. And as I say, he, sometimes his headers aren't exactly on target, but that that was just great last night. He hit the target and he went in. That's all we can ask. And yeah, I think he's a he's a great asset to have. I'd, I'd hate to see him go because I think we do need. Uh, Another option at centre half. We do need these four centre halves. We need two for each position, don't we? Or one for each position. We've been told, and obviously there's certain positions on the pitch at the moment we're nowhere near that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I love Aki. I think I think Aki's great. He, he does yeah. his job when he comes on. He's very unspectacular, but he he's very metronomic. He's got a yeah. a nice left uh, foot. He passes very accurately. He doesn't attempt anything that risky, I guess. But he's he he turns it over very 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 nicely i think um so um have we missed any of the goals have we covered all of them by now or is there is there maybe a a Maris, a Maris? Was there an offside goal? Was there? Was a VAR checking off? I don't remember much about it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was an offside, offside goal from where i was so yeah, it was just. Was it Forden was just? Yeah, he's uh, half his foot ahead of play. I mean, yeah. you know, um, it was just un unfortunate that the, when the ball was uh, played to him, he was just slightly offside. Uh, we should have scored. I mean, look, if we're honest, if anybody's honest, we had uh, thirty odd shots. I think uh, you know, it, we could have beaten by twelve, and no, and nobody could have said it was unfair, that sort of result, because we missed so many chances. Um, I don't think Lee... I mean, I think um, Bielsa said that's the worst I think the worst performance in his four years at Leeds. Um, and as has been said earlier, I think it's a combination. 
you don't generally beat a team by seven goals and if they've you know if they've played half decent they've got to play a bit below par and I think Leeds were but um, they set up open for us um, and it was just once we scored a goal I mean they were all over the shop having said that they hit the post they had two or three other good opportunities you know and give them obviously credit because they kept on going they kept on trying to play the way they'd been playing uh, and, yeah. and losing but um, they, they carried on trying to push forward and score goals so you know, credit to them they could have just shut up shop and said look you know at 5-0 let's let's just take it uh, all credit to Biel so that bucket he sits on he could turn up turn the other way around and make use of it come to last night to be honest with you <laughs> he should have put, should've put, it, put on it on his head, his head rather than yeah yeah it's not worth watching that Colin, what, 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 don't you think one of the most delicious things, and I use that word very pronouncedly, one of the most delicious things about that was watching the massive Liverpool goal difference advantage click down, click, 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 click to now there's only uh, two goals uh, between us. And that's the thing. They're for holding us. That's the only thing. <laughs> Well, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could have, we could have beaten it, couldn't we? Imagine they're playing Newcastle, aren't they, tomorrow? So I'm not sure we'll we'll keep that too long. But um, I, I thought when you mentioned Liverpool, you're going to say something else, actually, because uh, our friend Mr. Delooney um, was uh, a bit embarrassed. Not not that he ever is embarrassed, because he must have the skin of a, a double rhino. I think uh, me and Ray are blocked by him, so we can't comment on anything. But apparently um, our, my good friend uh, Rabin uh, highlighted a tweet of Delaney's for, well, last night about the financial disparity of football when City are putting seven past you know, uh, leads. Uh, and Rabin um, found a tweet of Delaney's when Liverpool put seven past Crystal Palace, praising them to the high heavens and the standard of their football. And uh, uh, so Delaney has got the double double rhino hided. Even he was uh, a bit embarrassed because he, he put out a tweet to um, to, to kind of um, uh, to count try and counter that. But because the more he says, the more stupid he looks. And he's you know, just such an ignoramus, that guy. You know. But well, I, I've decided he's either fiendishly clever or thick as mints. And I, I know which one my money would be on if I had to put it. <laughs> spectacularly ignorant but I shouldn't talk anymore because that's what got me banned um, well blocked by him in the first place but anyway so um, alright now guys let's just go back in time just a little bit I know we're not going to focus on this too much but um, the game against Wolves important three points who's drinking Who's drinking Coca-Cola there <laughs> okay um, Colin we don't need to talk about this game too much, but no. what? Give me one or two lines. Well, um, I mean, you know, it's like a comparing chalk and cheese, isn't it? Someone was saying last night that, uh, and it was I thought it was quite insightful that when we when we play like we play, we did last night and stick seven past leads, it kind of encourages teams to play like wolves, doesn't it, and stick ten behind the mm. ball. I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, the, the the game itself was was pretty forgettable. I thought we played, uh, you know, when you look at the gaps in Leeds midfield last night compared to the, there was no gap between uh, Wolves midfield and, and you know the, the three man midfield and the, the five man defence. Um, you know, it's a different way of playing the game, but it doesn't make for good watching, does it? And, yeah. and the main controversy was around, main talking points were around the penalties that were and weren't. And, of course, the sending off, bookings and sending off. And, um, you know, there's a good case for saying that the penalty we got shouldn't have been a penalty. Um, you know, and, and you can look at the way VAR has been implemented. Did the referee make a clear and obvious error? Well, you know, I, I, it looked a penalty from where I sat down on the other end at the time. When you watched it, obviously on the TV, watch the replays. Yeah, it hit him kind of armpit ribs type area probably his arm was out but you know if that part of his body was was offside that would have counted because it's a part you can play the ball with but um you know but but did, did the make the question is did, did the referee make a clear and obvious error and, and you think 
Well, you could see why he gave it. Uh, so, so, so maybe that saved us. But there was one in the first half, and I was right in line with this and could see it. And, and nothing I've seen since has con- convinced any of us otherwise. Where I think it was Cody. Uh, the ball was played across, and he had his arms down by his side or behind his back. But he leaned into the ball with his upper arm, leaned into it. You know, it didn't kind of come off him. You could see him lean and deflect the ball. Now, that was a penalty. That was a penalty every day of the week. And even Martin Keown said that on match of the day, I think. That was a penalty. Uh, there were a couple more, trip on Sterling. And it was a funny game because it, it's almost like, uh, and last night uh, was a bit the same, where the refs almost decide to let everything go in the first 10 minutes. Because there was one obvious foul on Sterling very early on in the Wolves game, right in front of the assistant. He didn't give it. Um, it I think there was a decent penalty shot again for Sterling uh, in the first half. Didn't give it. And then all of a sudden, John Moss gets get, gets to play the headmaster and starts dishing out cards for, for not very much, particularly. Uh, and, and he booked Rodri. I think, I think Rodri grabs someone. I, I can't remember which. Uh, and of course, a few minutes then, then the car's like coming out like confetti. Uh, and a few minutes later, we have the uh, Jimenez incident where he, he got a yellow card. Everyone said it was a soft. It wasn't soft. He grabbed Rodri twice and then tripped him. Now, that's a yellow card. Uh, 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 you know, players have a, an, an enduring capacity to um, ignore the obvious and, um, you know, um, delude themselves that they've done nothing wrong. But this was a yellow card. He say he grabbed him twice. He tripped him, uh, and then, having given away the free kick, he stood in front of the ball. And um, of course, we took the free kick. He was still stood a yard away, and he got a second yellow. And he went absolutely mental. And now, you know, I'd, I'd be going mental at myself for being as, so stupid as to get sent off, get two yellow cards in thirty seconds. Uh, and the commentators were arguing, "Oh, the first one was soft." Uh, and then Jonathan Woodgate. Uh, well, I was at the game, obviously, and uh, looking at the BBC feed, Jonathan Woodgate said the second one was a soft yellow car. Well, this is Jonathan Woodgate who got sent off on his debut for Real Madrid. <laughs> of course, it's the same Jonathan Woodgate. I'm sure it was. I'm sure that was soft as well. Uh, but you know, there is apart from picking up the ball, you know, out, you know, an outfield player picking up the ball. There's no more obvious yellow card than. Um, Standing in front of a free kick. And, and, and I've noticed that referees don't seem to be enforcing this at the moment, but it was funny last night that no one got in the way of our free kicks after that. <laughs> so it was a good, um, you know, it was a good, good message to send that, that there's been, a, I think, a, a kind of a creeping acceptance by refs of uh, ignoring the 10-yard rule. And, and, and Moss, even, even Moss couldn't ignore that. And he is the world's worst referee completely unfit but I, I just didn't understand the controversy was not around the football but around the refereeing and and, and Moss brought a lot of it on his own head I thought mm-hmm. okay well guys one, one thing that I do need to touch on because we've had like several uh, BFTB uh, supporters asking us about this because we haven't talked about uh, for a long time uh, potential transfers or moves in January. So I thought we'd go over to our resident expert, uh, Ray, and ask, um, what do you think about this talk about both Haaland and Vlaovic? Well, certainly not for uh, December, uh, January. Certainly nothing's going to happen there. Um, it's interesting. I mean, the, the, the problem is there's so much hot air out there because no one's going to come out and say, well, you're talking rubbish. No team is going to come out and say, and certainly not City are going to come out and say that um, the papers are talking rubbish and, and, and no one else is. So you hear some ridiculous, you know, I think they're frankly ridiculous uh, stories. You're hearing that Mina Riola wants 45 million euros to put this transfer through. And in the same story, you're hearing that City are still interested. Well, you know, 45 million euros, that's a heck of a lot of money. And uh, and that's going to the agent. So it, too many of these stories are, are totally far-fetched and just made up, as I said, because no one's going to dispute them. So Vlavic, uh, there's talk, talk of him going, you know, was it Inter want a lot, a lot of money for him? 
Um, I don't, I don't know honestly. I have no idea um, who City would really want. I think everybody wants to see Haaland in the Premier League. I think uh, Riola said, was it five clubs uh, uh, in with a shout, and probably three, at least three, are in the Premier League, aren't they? So you got to look at the teams who got the finances, who can afford such a deal. You know, obviously Barcelona are there. They're getting about twenty players in January and next summer, all top players, apparently. You know, I don't know where... <laughs> it's a joke, um, all these stories about them. But realistically, City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, PSG. I can't see anybody else affording them. And even some of those, those that I've mentioned probably can't afford, you know, the, what it would cost to get Haaland, pay his agent, pay his dad, and pay his wages. So... I think we're in the driving seat. If we can spend £100 million on Grealish and we were willing to spend about £100 million on Kane in the summer, um, I think we'll have the money. I mean, Colin might um, dampen my excitement about about that possibility, but I think we'd have the money to buy Haaland if we wanted him and Blavic would be a little bit cheaper. So do we need them? It's, it's, I've said it many times. People say, well, you know, in certain games, if you had that number nine, when we put the ball in the box, and there'd, be, there'd be someone there to tap it in, but which is true. It, that could happen. But then if you've got a number nine, maybe the guy who crossed it in wouldn't be in that position that he was in. And um, the number nine will be waiting for the ball to come in, which didn't you know, materialise. So I just think we want someone... I mean, Kane was a, was a good... Uh, I think I think would have overall been a decent fit, even though people say he doesn't play the city way or won't play in a fit in a pep system. But dropping back creates space. You play that false nine, and it's great to have somebody like Ferran Torres uh, play, has played at, num- at nine and false nine in the same game. And it's great to have somebody who can move around and when leads a man marking, just drag that defence all over the place. Um, I mean, we we saw that one, and and other teams have you know. Um, Followed players out um, to leave a massive space for somebody else to to wander in, and, and so I, I don't know. Uh, that, that's the truth. I'm no expert on on this. I you know either I would take either of them right now, um, but once again we might get none of them, and we're not doing too badly without a recognised striker. Well, let's go over to Bernard and talk about the Champions League draw. Uh, I think they botched it up, didn't they, uh, <laughs> Bert? And then, uh, uh, yeah. I, I, what happened there? I was doing a live, doing a live thing for Manchester TV. We did a little live segment on it, and of course, uh, when they pulled Manchester United out of, out of the bag, which I think was the second, 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 or third one, obviously we were looking at it, thinking, well, have they mistaken United for City like they used to in the old days, where we used to get called United when it was City because we weren't used to we weren't used to City at that stage. So, and the the thing is, they knew there and then within a couple of picks, we actually knew they hadn't put the ball back in. They hadn't actually put it back in straight away. They delayed by a couple of picks, so it hadn't gone back in the bowl. And you could see this. So the easiest thing would be to do would be just to stop the whole thing, reset it and start again. Nobody so they plow through this. So we're watching this thinking someone's gonna launch an appeal here. This is this isn't gonna stand that the Atletico and Madrid are gonna be very angry. United weren't even in the pot to play them. So you know it was an absolute disaster. And yes, quite rightly, about an hour after we'd done the live feed it came back on the um, Obviously, this uh, would have to be redone. So there you go. It was a, an absolute shambles. And the, obviously, it didn't affect us that much. I mean, I, I'm not so worried uh, whether it's Villarreal or Sporting, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, it's just, just typical UEFA, wasn't it? It was just a total, total disaster. And it wasn't their fault. It was a third party. <laughs> yeah, it was a software, even though they put the balls in the balls. Yeah, but it was a software fault, apparently. And it, was, it was quite comical, actually, because after that, I think Real Madrid were so pissed off about the what they got PSG the second time around. I think they got Benfica the first one. And um, they were annoyed about that, uh, which not not showing a great deal of respect to the Portuguese team there. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, OK. Um, so that's the Champions League draw. Um, Colin, talk to me about Swindon. Well, it's... Um, what do you know about Swindon? Have you ever been there? I have, yes, I've been to Swindon. 
Um, it's the home um, of Nationwide Building Society, who I did a, a contract, six month contract for. And uh, mainly I was based in, they've got a big operation centre in Northampton. But for the last few weeks of the project, uh, we have to be based in Swindon. So, yeah, I know Swindon, um, not somewhere I'd care to spend too great uh, a period of time. But, um, uh, and of course, it, it, it's other fame is I've just been watching, rewatching The Office. And of course, um, they, uh, Wernham Hogg had a branch in Swindon, um, which is other, and the and the, the famous roundabout. But of course, Swindon were, um, of course, I remember Swindon winning the League Cup. Don Rogers, uh, who did they? Did they beat Arsenal? Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal, yeah. Sixty-seven, uh, sixty-eight, around the time we, um, oh, then, yeah, yeah, about that time. So, uh, and of course, they've been a top division club as well, briefly, Premier League club, briefly. Uh, fallen on hard times a bit. And who's um, the most famous player that's ever played for Swindon? Oh, managed them, didn't he? Some guy with a big nose. Um, his name escapes me. Buzzer. Two buzzers, two buzzers, both two of buzzers. them. Yeah, father and son. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's what's coming up next. Um, in the future. Uh, over to uh, Bernard. So, what are our next couple of games? Uh, what's the what are the prospects? Well, we got we got Newcastle away, mate. We don't we don't do summit there. I know I know we don't don't usually get massive results there. We usually do a two nil or so, or even get beat one nil. Don't we? Going back in time, uh, they beat us two one a couple about three seasons ago. So it is doable. But hey, if we, if we don't. Uh, Treat them with the same disrespect we treated Leeds. I'll be, I'll be very disappointed. And obviously, we've got a nice home game against Leicester, who've sort of uh, rejuvenated themselves, certainly in the last game anyway. So that, that'll be a, an interesting boxing day. But uh, so, fingers crossed, let's, let's stay top of that league. My goodness, Ray, uh, Brendan Rogers' stock has fallen uh, somewhat, hasn't it? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that. I mean, uh, as, as, bad, as bad as that. I mean, they've had a not a great start to the season, but hey, you look at it. They're back in ninth, okay, in ninth place. Um, game in hand over Wolves, who are above them. West Ham, who are in fifth. You know, it's one of those. You win your game in hand, you're three points behind fifth spot, so you're back in the mix. You know, Arsenal. Uh, last time I looked, they were winning tonight against West Ham, so that'll get them. Um, yeah, one two nil. They beat them two 0 So Arsenal in the fifth, in fourth. Sorry, Spurs have got three games in hand over Arsenal. Leicester aren't that far back. It's been an up and down. But you got to remember, if you some teams rely on one, two, or three players. Look at West Ham. Since Antonio, he hasn't scored in the last nine games. They've started slipping back a bit. Um, Leicester missed Tillemans when he was out. He's turned up again. And he scores a couple of goals. So you know, there are a few players who are really important to certain teams. And, um, you know, like Salah and Liverpool. You know, if, if Salah wasn't at Liverpool, um, where would they be in the league? I, I, they'd be struggling to be in the top four, I reckon. But, you know, the number of goals he scored that have proven to be um, crucial goals and, and winning goals mm-hmm. this well, season. So... Yeah, I don't think it's his stocks. Rogers' stock has fallen that much, you know. Uh, and as I said, a couple of wins, the beat City, and the, you know, getting back in the top five or six. Where do you, where do, do people really expect Leicester to finish? They finished fifth in the last two seasons. Yes, I think they should have finished fourth, but you know, fifth or sixth is about their level. The ninth at the moment, game in hand, win that, you're up to eighth. I don't think they're far off. Well, guys, let's just finish off now with one of our uh, favourite sections among our listeners, is, and that's when we ask uh, Colin Savage to bring up the the league table and um, just give us um, a few um, ideas about how he thinks uh, things are going for the various teams uh, as they compete here. So, um, yeah, uh, Colin, what do you reckon? Anything take your fancy? Uh, well, Arsenal now in the top four after the win tonight. Um, United have got uh, a game in hand of them, two points behind. Tottenham are four points behind with three games in hand. So, um, you know, Tottenham, uh, if Tottenham weren't Tottenham, you'd say they had a good chance of getting into the top four because they are Tottenham. So they'll screw it up somehow. 
you just know. <laughs> no. Um, you know, and, and it's the table is now apart from kind of West Ham being in the in, in the mix, you know, the top seven of the six include the six teams you'd expect to be top six. So um uh, say West Ham are currently in fifth. Um and then behind them you've got the, the teams you'd expect, you know, Wolves, Leicester, Villa. Um you'd really expect Everton to be there and uh you know they're hovering uh, above the relegation zone. Um, but the, the, the table, you know, you got Crystal Palace in, in mid-table, which is their standard position. Obviously, Brentford doing well, twelfth. Uh, but, but you know, it's the usual, it's the usual story, isn't it? I mean, obviously, Leeds, um, the, the, you know, the bottom two: Newcastle, Norwich, uh, Newcastle at Liverpool tomorrow. Uh, you won't expect very much from there. Norwich's mini revival has um, petered out a little bit. Um, Burnley are a funny one, you know. They're down there, but they, we, we've seen them get, you know, up to the top seven, haven't we, in the past? Uh, the teams I predicted that would go down uh, at the beginning of the season were, were obviously Norwich, probably Watford, and Southampton were my other bet. And and there's nothing in the table at the moment. Obviously Newcastle are struggling. They they need to put some wins together. But you look at the gap now, and and um, you know it's Newcastle and Norwich on ten, then Burnley on eleven. Watford on 13, so they're definitely in the mix. They're not to Leeds on 16. So you've got to win three or four games now to, you know, Newcastle Norwich, you've got to win three or four games on the trot to get themselves seriously out of trouble. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens on the, uh, you know, as we're coming into the Christmas New Year period. Right, the table looks pretty much like you'd expect it to look, to be honest. Bernie, that doesn't really look like there's going to be a dark horse. Is there to win? It's to win the league or get relegated. Either. I mean, it just looks very predictable. No, it's not certainly no dark horse to win the league. I mean, it's between uh, three teams. I'm hoping it'll probably be between two teams. Uh, I'm hoping Chelsea will stutter along now and uh, won't suddenly hit form again. But uh, yeah, I mean, the bottom's most interesting, isn't it? I mean, let's face it. Um, still, Leeds are in the mix. They've got three or four hard games uh, coming up. Uh, so they could be in trouble, but they, they should have enough, shouldn't they? But as uh, Colin was saying there, I mean, my my three favourites to go down that I did the other day were Norwich, Watford. And I did mention Brentford, but that was before the last uh, couple of wins. So I think that's pretty much everything. Any other business, or is that enough for us on this uh, Well, uh, last thing, I don't know how... Uh, well, obviously, we've got the COVID situation where games are being uh, called off at the last minute. I don't know how United managed to get their game called off against uh, Brentford, away at Brentford. Um, I know Le- uh, Rodgers has been unhappy. I think was it Rodgers? No, a few players, that, uh, managers have been unhappy. Rodgers, unhappy that Leicester ha- uh, have to play Spurs when both teams are, are struggling with uh, to get teams out. Uh, we had um, Dean Smith, the Norwich manager, unhappy that they couldn't get hold of the Premier League to discuss their situation. Um and, and and actually, it was it's, it's really interesting because you, the United game was called off at midnight. Um, um, you know, just not that many hours before the game, and I and I heard that um, uh, United are going to refund all of their fans who um, who had tickets to the game for their travel, which I think is really a, a very honourable and, and um, you know noble position for United to take. So. They're going to refund them the three pound twenty uh, single fare on the tube. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that point of information: the tube doesn't go to Brentford. They'd have to go on the train. Oh, <laughs> Colin, we knew that, but we have we have to um, spoil the joke. Yeah, you know, no, spoil the joke. The one pound bus. It's always one who spoils the joke. Okay, guys, I'm going to have to cut these guys off before they they before I have to. S- Stitch up my sides. They're killing me. They're killing. Me. <laughs> okay, let's let's just stop it here, uh, guys. Uh, it was really good to be with you uh, on this momentous occasion of the retirement of Sergio Aguero and that enormous performance against Leeds. Thank you so much for listening. Let's just um, bid farewell to the A team before we finish off. So, um, thank you so much for coming on, Bernard. Oh, pleasure, mate. It's been, it's been a good night. And uh, remember, obviously, nice chat about Sergio on a 7-0 win. What, what more can we ask? Absolutely. And guys, you've also been listening to Colin Savage. Thank you so much, Colin, for coming on. 
It's a pleasure. I must mention one thing before we go. Uh, on, on Twitter before, there was a, a young lady, um, a City fan, a dad's a City fan, who was complaining that her dad loved Sergio Aguero more than he loved her. Oh. So, so, so my response was, well, coming second to Sergio, that's not too bad. She said, I'm not even second. He loves David Silva more than he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to which I said, well, if he gets down to Danny Mills, then you've got problems. But uh, he, he did inspire that level of devotion. And one of the, one of the things, guys, um, that I loved, do did, did you remember seeing that video where uh, – like the players are uh, walking past the city lineup, and uh, one of the players has got a little child who yeah, kisses, right. kisses, kisses Sergio. Um, not necessarily going to inspire the player to his best performance, but um, that was a lot of fun. So we we do want to just um, express our gratitude to him for everything that he's done for us, and. Um, uh, we better stop there before I choke up. Uh, but you've also been listening to Ray. Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Mike. Fantastic. Well, we'll stop here, guys, and uh, we'll see you again. We'll speak to you again very, very shortly and finish off in the normal way by saying, have one of us and up the blues. Up the blues, guys.